Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Airway First, a podcast from the Children's Airway First Foundation. I'm your host, Rebecca St. James. My guest today is Mary Burke. Mary is a member of the Sacro Occipital Technique Organization and has obtained advanced craniopath certifications. She has also been involved in the education and training of other practitioners in this field. Mary has been in chiropractic practice for over 29 years, and during this time, she has undertaken further studies in many aspects of pediatric development. She developed the Vital Babies Program for mums with babies under six months of age to offer education and understanding of factors that can influence optimal growth and development. One area of particular interest for Mary has been facial growth development. She has spent a great deal of time attending conferences all around the world, looking into the different aspects that are affecting growth and development of this vital area. Mary has undertaken over 300 hours of training in the field of oral facial myofunctional therapy, and in 2016, with the blessing of her father, Dr. Kevin Burke, she took over leadership at MyoMunchie with the intent of relaunching the product her father originally developed. Mary's particular interest lies in the early detection of potential problems for young children and addressing the underlying causes of oral growth and developmental issues. You can find out more about Mary and the Mayo Munchie at myomunchie.com. And now let's jump into my interview with Mary Burke. Okay, great. Thanks so much for joining us on the show this evening, Mary. I appreciate it so much. Good to be here with you, Rebecca. Great. So we're just going to jump right in. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about the history of chewing, or, or rather the lost art of chewing, as I've heard you refer to it. So for those who don't know what it is, let's talk about what it is and what we've lost and why it's so important. Well, uh, that's a big question and a big It topic. is a big one. I just thought we'll just yeah, launch right into it. Yeah, let's dive in there. Okay, so chewing is what we would call a functional movement. We have to do it. It's an archetypal movement for human, optimal human genetic expression. It's really interesting that when we're growing and developing uh, in that first 12 months of life particularly, but in that first three to four years, there's a lot of these movements that occur that are really enabling the next level of development to occur. And chewing is one of those movements. So I think we're aware of things like um, rolling and crawling. We know that babies go through these milestone movements in that first year of life that enables them to get up. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how many people are aware, but a lot of people, more people are aware that all those movements, so for example, crawling is a classic one, gets both hemispheres of the brain communicating. We sometimes can find that children who haven't gone through these movement milestones can have compromise in the way some of those higher centres are working in the brain function. And so it's really important in that first year of life to make sure all these movements occur because what they're doing is activating to the next level of development. Okay. And the first seven years of life is about all this really early, really good, strong body movement and function. And chewing is one of those movements. And that's what I found really interesting because I have been interested in all that early developmental work for a long time from a body postural perspective because I'm a chiropractor by background. So I was interested in body posture 
and how those early movements affected people ongoing and learning and behaviour and uh, as well as body posture. So I'm a neurodevelopmental chiropractor. That's what I do by background. Mm -hmm. But I became very interested in the oral space because of the history of the munchie. And I realised that chewing was one of those movements because I had all that other understanding. So chewing, if you don't chew at the appropriate time, it's a milestone movement when the brain is ready for that next level of development, we can miss a moment when the brain would automatically get onto it. And, it, and chewing is essential for eating, but it's also how we grow the lower third of the face and getting really good jaw stability and function is a huge part of then keeping airway stability and function. So if the lower third of the face isn't well developed and strong, it can have really big compromise to the way we breathe, to the way we communicate and eat and drink. So it's a really, it's, it's the movement that gets that whole thing happening. So sucking and swallowing is the very first found functional movement that we do as when we're very tiny babies. Right. And then chewing. Chewing is the next bit we've got to do to really get that well established. And then that chew, swallow, breathe is the next combination of movements that are functional. Yeah. So we're talking breastfeeding to baby led weaning to eating solids. It's kind of yeah. regression. Yeah. And, and, and with, they need to be able to manage purees and smooth um, other textures in there too, but they definitely need that activation of the chewing. And what's happened is we have tended to be wanting faster foods that are more processed mm -hmm. and quicker and right. easy to eat and less messy, convenient. Right. All Couches. Those yeah. 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 Those ones. Disaster. Uh, yeah. So that can really interfere with this, chewing activation because if you don't get textures and things that are harder work and um, more difficult to manage you won't get that activation you'll be then stuck in the you know you'll only get half the program fully activated yeah you won't get the full activation gotcha. gotcha and if you don't get the full activation then not only will we have jaw development it sounds like we're going to have some kind of impact or synaptic connections in our, our brain development well, it, it can do. It's interesting because a lot of our sensory motor mapping is coming out of this oral space. That's it's the very first foundational piece of where we map a 3D space. You know, they put everything in their mouth. Babies put everything oh, yeah. in their getting. This is helping them start to map who they are, where they are, how they are in the world. So it's such an important thing. They get a lot of things in there because there's so much sensory and then um, so the information comes through the sensory back to the brain and then the motor comes in okay. and loads around. So it's it's all very complex but amazingly designed. Those 12 cranial nerves that are firing into this area around the eyes and the ears and the balance and the movement and the, each of those teeth has all this incredible um, proprioceptive information, positional information that's telling the brain exactly where to land that occlusion quite amazing how that's all there waiting to be loaded but we don't mm -hmm. realize so we end up putting things in there like pacifiers and bottles and other stuff so babies are very clever we need yeah. them to come out what they want to stick in there because that's telling their brain where everything is wow that is that's that's mind-blowing and we'll we'll, kind of, we'll talk a little bit more 
and a little bit about pacifiers and the difference between that and a Mayo Munchie. Um, because you know, I, I, I've had, I have a little bit advantage to our listeners because I've done some research on your site and I've seen them and I've talked to others about them. So um, full disclosure, totally sold on them. But <laughs> before, before we get there, um, let's talk a little bit about proper chewing. You know, we know why it's important. So what actually is proper chewing and how does it impact this jawbone growth and occlusal balance? So proper functional chewing, uh, and it'll it'll occur before they have teeth. You don't need teeth to chew um, well. Some children don't get their teeth till they're, you know, a little bit older, 10 months to one year. You don't have to wait until their teeth are in. They have these chew reflexes that are there. And if you put your finger in on a baby's uh, lower, you know, gum there, Mm -hmm. they will they will come against it. They, that little chomping reflex, it's called the biphasic chew re- response, is there from very early on. So that's there. This is a reflexive movement. So when something comes into contact, they will start to activate this. What we want is then when they get to the age where food's being introduced, at around six months of age is ideally when those reflexes are ready to integrate okay. and the more mature chewing responses come into action that's what we want to see is that between between sort of six and eight months we want to see really functional chewing starting where the baby brings the food in moves it around with the tongue the tongue moves it side to side that lateralization of the tongue is part of the chewing so the the chewing needs to happen the action of chewing and the tongue is moving it round in the mouth the tongue has now is isn't thrusting forward anymore that Mm. was more the the immature response, because it was forward, backward, they were coming out to bring the tongue in for breastfeeding. Now the tongue is separating out more to stay in the mouth and it's getting this lateralization movement happening. So it's this side to side and then it's going to get the vertical. And eventually it's going to rest up into the palate and that's getting that vertical height. So this chewing action, this up and down, is kind of what they're doing at this age. It's more up and down and the tongue's moving things around. When they get to around two years, they're going to be doing more of the more complex rotary chewing where they're able to take on more complex foods because they've got more teeth. For a start, they haven't got teeth, so they haven't got that ability to really do a huge amount with the rotary once they get those two-year-old molars in, they can really take on the complex rotary movements of chewing as well as just the up and down. And these these chewing movements, um, is it fair to say that it not only impacts jaw development, does it have some sort of an impact? Obviously, jaw development impacts airway, so that one we know, but does it also impact their speech or could it? Yeah, it's also... Uh, yes, yeah, so, so neurologically, the brain is, these are foundational movements that then are wiring things up in the brain to be ready for the more complex speech movement, a lot of complexity in speech. It's hugely complex sure. program. Yeah. So you've got to have these foundations in of, and the chewing movements, the swallowing movements, the tongue movements, they're all part of what will be required and the lip movements for speech. So they're the foundational basic movements that are required and then that very complex program of speech is there to be activated. 
but it needs that all those foundational movements in there first. Okay. It's like, like getting up to walk. You can't get up to walk unless you've done all of those early foundational movements of you need to start. First they start by lifting their head, then they roll, then they commando crawl, then they push up and they crawl, then they sit, then they get up to upright and cruise. They're all part of the foundational movements that then enable you to walk. And that's all laying down the foundations in the brain for walking. And this is the same for speech. All these early movements, the tongue lateralization, the chewing up and down, getting all mm -hmm. that jaw stability, as well as the coordination for our breath management. That's a huge part mm -hmm. of it too. For okay. speech, speech requires so much to be able to manage the air that's coming to make the sounds for the, get the tongue in position, have the jaw stability to hold the different grading required for the speech. It's very complex when it doesn't work to work out which bit's not working. But the diaphragmatic breathing is a huge part of that. And so the chewing as a movement, what it does is it, yes, it activates and grows the growth centres in the bony parts of the jaw, it fires up into the brain around all this cranial nerve coordination that's responsible for all of these um, muscles to work. Mm -hmm. And it also, you have to move things to get, we have a lot of, there's a lot of complexity around all the little muscle groups in this lower third of the face, but they've also got to then relate to the upper cervical spine and the base of the skull. And all those relationships, those little muscles need to operate in a certain length tension relationship. Okay. And that's where you've got to move something and exercise it to get the growth. It, like it's a very <laughs> when it all when you when you do it all, it works, but it'd be very hard to write the program to make it work perfectly. Right. But it does. If you give enough exposure and enough activation to get these movements in. They, it will. It will establish the right vertical height and the right relationship to the occipital base, which puts in the right relationship for the rest of the spine and the way we are in the upright space in the world. So it's it's all very complex. And <laughs> it, it's, it's, complex. No, and, it, and it's fascinating. And unfortunately for you, my guest, it's going to just stir up a whole bunch of other questions because now my brain's going. So yes. it is that connection, you know, especially when you were at, at the top of the spine, is that part of why airway dysfunction can somehow cause that that head forward posture? Absolutely. That's incredibly closely related. If we don't get ideal function early on, mm -hmm. we will then be adapting to try and open that airway. So good airway function is oral posture, body posture. It's got to be both working together to get an ideal setup initially and if you don't get an ideal setup in this first growth phase of life and you're trying to treat or work with a client who has this breathing airway dysfunction you have to look at the body posture because both work together at this stage they've adapted and that's what you see they'll adapt forward to get the airway open but that's because there's dysfunction in the way that whole system wired up originally and especially if they then go in and look at the teeth in isolation and mm -hmm. go, oh, okay, we need to fix that bite. 
that bite's there for a reason. That bite's telling us something. What set that up? What was right. the initial bit that set that up? And that's where we've got to make sure we get enough movement because sometimes lack of movement doesn't enable optimum expression and then there's just this low tone. And when you've got low tone, it it cascades into that and the airway needs tone, muscle tone to stay function open. well, mm-hmm. to stay open. And so a lot of that upper airway work it's getting the, you know, thinking about a baby that's pushing up on tummy time, getting all that opening, and that's when the diaphragm starts to engage as well. See, if we if we have these babies, babies who aren't moving enough early on, often their diaphragm doesn't get in good engagement because when they're first born, they don't breathe through the dive with their diaphragm. Okay. They kind of it's this whole body movement. So it's at about three months that they start to get engagement. Mm-hmm. with top to the bottom because this is all this isn't all when they arrive they're not in it's not connected nothing's connected this is the first <laughs> bit that connects sucks right. all over it. the baby starts to get organized the program starts to load and then they've got to be given opportunity to move and a huge part of of this lack of airway function is lack of diaphragmatic engagement because babies aren't moving they're in capsules, they're in baby capsules, they're not getting enough opportunity to move to get that diaphragm and top to bottom engaged. So then they're stuck breathing up here. And that's why tummy time is so important. It's Tummy time is so important, yeah, to give yeah. them lots of opportunity to get strong and to get all of that engagement in that rib cage and that mm-hmm. diaphragm. They start to roll, that requires top to bottom. It requires all that through the middle area to engage. So rolling is not optional either. Rolling, chewing, they're all really, really important things to do to get as your is crawling. So we don't just go from airway. the floor to walking. Make sure they crawl as well. Yes, make sure they do all these movements. The longer they spend on the floor and the stronger they get in their body in that first year of life, really, really important. And so... It's something that when so we, we're looking at chewing and that's really important. But when we're looking at these little children who've got these issues, we've got to look back at was there less quality in some of those milestone movements? Sometimes they'll roll, but they might roll once. They roll over. And that's and they, oh yeah, they roll, then you go, oh, okay. We want we want lots of good rolling because we know that that's when the diaphragm really starts to get activated and engaged. And these these neural pathways you, know, you you said those start around six, eight months or is that oh they're, they're they're earlier but we sort of okay. introduced six to eight months is the window when they need to be really activated and really because you've got to activate them then to get them integrated and so you think about a lot of children who yeah struggle with feeding and speech mm-hmm. i would say there's high incidence there of children who didn't fully activate into their chew responses and their tongue lateralization. And whether there was, might have been tethered oral tissues there or some other reason or lack of exposure. So we've got to make sure the lack of exposure isn't what's coming against this next generation of kids because of that convenience world we live in. Yeah. So, and this is this is a great time to kind of segue into this. Let's talk about what parents can do to stimulate all of these connections and proper jaw development. What are some things we can do to help? 
Yeah, it's giving them lots of opportunity for sensory sensory exploration and sort of understanding that them putting things in their mouth is is them mapping that that area and mm-hmm. making sure they have lots of different things to and access to different toys and things that have got different textures and different shapes and okay. all of that. I think that's the other thing we get worried about too is the germs and the dirt and it's like we've got other things to worry about like that. They're immune. That they will work well as long as they're all well told. They'll be fine. But it's I always about, heard growing up, you have to eat a pound of dirt growing up. That's just part of life. It's part of childhood. So go be dirty. Go roll around. Have some fun. Yes, roll around. Have some fun. That's exactly right. So certainly in that first few months of life, ideally getting breastfeed happening, breastfeeding happening. If right. they are struggling with breastfeeding, that makes life very difficult. So we we then have to work out ways to to introduce some stimulation to those areas that are going to get less input that they need. So okay. we've got to try and upregulate that system somehow. So, okay, so breastfeeding didn't establish for whatever reason. We now have less than ideal intraoral or functional movement that's occurred. That suck, swallow, breathe. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> excuse me, making sure when working with a bottle, they're doing pace feeding and really working at getting that suck, swallow, breathe happening, that they're swapping sides with feeding. It's really important because there's so much development going on body posture-wise. Head riding reflexes are activating about head posture, revision. So if you're always feeding on one side when you're bottle feeding, that baby isn't going to develop. That's one Mm -hmm. one of the the breastfeeding. You swap sides all the time. So you're always swapping sides, getting all that vestibular stimulation, head postural, eye visual, as well as body postural stability, all these things are happening. They're all they're all functional movements. So as well right. as the feeding and the sucking. Okay. So right. it's thinking of things like that are really important for parents. So that if they're bottle feeding, making sure they're getting that, doing suck training with their finger, getting more activation. So often bottle feeding babies will use a, a dummy or a pacifier to settle because they haven't got the the breast as the calming sucking. Mm-hmm. Um, but making sure you take that out. If that pass- using a pacifier, take it out. Use it for calming. Take it out. It's not to say don't use it. It's just frequency and duration are the issues. Don't let them have so it all the time. Yeah, so just use it yeah. as what it is for a calmative moment or get them sucking on your finger. You can really get that suck training working. Um, and that's where things like the baby munchie come in really helpful when they're about four to five months of age. You can introduce little munchies. And little munchies have little, they're very flexible and soft, but they have these little prongs on them. And that really helps create that stimulation because that's what we need to, to realise too is that we want that there's lots of um, little sensors, many, many little sensors mapping that that palate or mm-hmm. the gum. That whole, it's so much sensory information in there. So the more we can have in there, those little toothbrushes that are finger-caught toothbrushes, mm-hmm. have you seen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. Rub that around in there, rub it around, get the baby very used to that, but really mapping that intraoral space with them, um, especially if they've had a, a tongue tie because they are behind the eight ball when it comes to that tongue wasn't sitting up and stimulating that palatal growth. And so there's lots we can do with this intraoral stimulation. And yeah, that's that's sort of the sort of things you can do as well as making sure they get plenty of really good 
tummy time, as I said before, to open this area and make sure yeah. they get that upper cervical stability. Mm -hmm. So by three months of age, a baby should very comfortably be on their tummy, up, looking around, getting really good cervical range of motion. See, these are it's all really important. They get all these relationships working with each other. And so if they're just spending their time lying on their back, they're not getting right. all of this opportunity. And we need right. gravity to grow the jaw as well. So when you think tummy time, gravity is helping. If they're on their back, really? gravity's not going to help them because the jaw is going to sit back. Pull it back. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. You're, you're the first person that's ever said gravity to me. So that one just kind of threw me off. So yeah, never yeah. really thought about it, but it's logical when you think about it. And then I think the, the other thing with parents too is to play with them or mimic. They will mimic what you do. So bring your okay. tongue out, play little games, get them, you know, thinking, Make oh, that's it. Yeah. Get them engaging with their tongue, get them, you know, when they're older, this, you know, not at three months of age, but you can get them licking things, get the tongue out to, you know, to sort of explore different things. But in that three months of age, you'll see their tongue start to come out and you want okay. that sort of them to develop that awareness and really see them um, making lots of noise and really starting to engage. You're listening to Airwave First with today's guest, Mary Burke. You can find out more about the Children's Airway First Foundation and our mission to fix before six on our website at childrensairwayfirst.org. The CAF website offers tons of great resources for both parents and medical professionals. In our parents portal and clinicians corner areas, you can find educational and informational content, including videos, blogs, our recommended reading list, comprehensive medical research, podcasts, events, parent support, and educational event opportunities. Parents are also encouraged to join the Airway Huddle, our Facebook support group, which was created for parents of children with airway and sleep-related issues. You can access the Airway Huddle support group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash Airway Huddle. Are you a medical professional or parent that is interested in being a guest on the show? then shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at childrensairwayfirst.org. As a reminder, this podcast and the opinions expressed here are not a medical diagnosis. If you suspect your child might have an airway issue, contact your pediatric airway dentist or pediatrician. And now, let's jump back into my interview with today's guest, Mary Burke. I, we've talked about this um, on, on some shows before, but I, I would really like to hear, especially with all the things we were talking about, your take on this connection between chewing and airway and sleep, um, which is something that I, I, I don't think 
logically parents always put these three together, but they are so intricately related. They are. They are. Because chewing is the functional movement for airway stability. Those muscles that keep that airway open, Mm -hmm. muscles down here, the posterior aspect of the tongue, that's all part of our swallow mechanism. Mm-hmm. And when our and when you chew and you get enough chewing activation, you then really and manage all that food. So it's the chewing and the tongue lateralization that are what's and then getting that ideal swallow pattern that is getting that that airway sort of stable and all those length tension relationships. Mm-hmm. So once again, around if we don't activate into chewing and get the growth centers of mandibular growth activated. So Wolf's law says that a a bone will grow in accordance to the forces placed upon it. So if you do not put force and pressures through bone, the bone won't grow to its genetic potential. So we need to really work those jaws to get the optimal length of jawbone growth. We need to activate those growth centres and chewing is the movement that will do that. And then ideally when that jaw activates to come forward, as well as all those other movements I talked about before of trying to get that jaw forward, the tongue, as soon as you get the tongue engaged and coming forward, it'll bring the jaw with it. Mm-hmm. But that helps get those length tension relationships for that airway to be open. And so when you swallow, ideally when we swallow, the tongue should go up the posterior aspect of the tongue will work the pharyngeus and the all the little muscles in there. I can't remember all their names right now, but they pull on the eustachian tubes. They drain the ears. It's all super functional. The, the mechanism of swallow does all of that. Okay. It's what keeps the airway open. So that's the movement. So when you're stuck with a, a tongue thrust swallow, mm-hmm. that means that there's not ideal functioning back there and it's never set up properly. And so it's, and chewing is just a huge part of that early um, programming to get all those muscles woken up and then working at the right length. So it's one thing to have a muscle there, but we all have in all of our muscles in our whole body an ideal length at which they can work best. And if they're too short, training them, or they're too long, they're not going to be get able to get that ideal activation for that airway to just have the right amount of opening. It's not a static tube. It's not about, oh, it needs to be this size. It just needs to work really well. Those little muscles that, and, and at night when you go to bed, they should be active. Then it's not like they become di- un- inactive at night. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's, there's other um adaptations we're using during the day to keep it open so it's all that it's all that other body postural stuff we're Mm -hmm. using to keep it functioning during the day that stops us having a problem during the day and then we go to bed at night and those bits and pieces switch off and we're relying on the ideal activation of what should be there in what we call um, unconscious competence it should just be working that's when it becomes obvious that actually, no, we're having to consciously full body swallow or we're using a whole lot of other muscles mm-hmm. to breathe and keep us working that shouldn't be working. 
that kind of answer your question. <laughs> no, it does. <laughs> no, no, it does. No, I, I, I love the detail personally. So, you know, and, and then building on this, obviously, if, if it's not open, then now it's going to impact your child's sleep. And now we're back to this vicious cycle because now we're impacting their development, their mental state, yes. and moods. Yes. And, and this is where I think, and I've seen enough of it now just clinically mm-hmm. to see the improvement when you can r- improve the level of tone in the child's body in general. So say mm-hmm. you've got a three-year-old, four-year-old comes in and their yeah, mum's noticed their mouth breathing at night, they're snoring at night, worried about the behaviours off, you know, they're not great, they're this and that. And you look at them and you go, okay, you can just see that there's just generally a little bit of low tone there. They might have their feet a little bit rolled in and the knees might be collapsing in a little bit. You can just see that they're, and they're not diaphragmatic breathing at all, they're just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. they're adapting around a system that's, only really activated probably to about 60 or 70%. They're not fully, but if you can get fully activated, but if you can get them doing things like on a ball, big big exercise ball, mm-hmm. big exercise ball doing stability exercises to get that postural activation because these kids will be very weak. You won't be able to get much out of them at all. Get that activation working, get their breathing working, get a munchie in there you'll see a quite a quick uptick in their sleeping and ability to, to sleep at night mm. because we tone into the system. We're activating that tone. We're raising that level in the brain of the tone. There's going to be a whole lot of other kids who aren't that simple to solve, of course, but there sure. is a, definitely a lot of them in the community that that's the primary piece they missed early on was getting enough upregulation in the system mm. to hold the airway open at night. That's what it needs. It needs your level of tone in the world. And these kids, this is just hard work. They're tired. They fatigue easily because they, their level of tone isn't great. So right. everything's just a bit hard work or else they'll be fully wired the other way. They're a different kettle of fish. But the low tone <laughs> ones are definitely ones we can um, we can work with quite well. Very quickly. So we, and once and, you're upregulated early, mm-hmm. you can keep it there. You can keep that. Level. If you get it into the system early enough, it becomes part of the wiring in the brain. This is what we've got yeah. to do is get in early because it's really hard to treat and fix later on because it's very well, hard to get to. I was going to say we, we can do it later. It's just so much more complex. Yes, and really hard to get it to hold. Whereas if we get it early, we can get it to hold. We can get it to be part of their nervous system, the way they function. That's what's really exciting if you get it early enough. It it becomes hard because they're not fully grown. You can get it in. And each time they hit a new milestone, you might have to revisit and just get it reactivated, but it it will get to the point where it holds. Okay. So you you showed a a Mayo Munchie a moment ago. You did. So I'd like to talk a little bit about those. Um, it's my understanding this is an invention of your dad's. And yes, you've taken it and run with it. So for people that don't know what the Mayo Munchie is, I'd love to show them, tell them a little bit about it. And let's talk about how it fits into what we've been discussing so far. Yeah, great. This is a Mayo Munchie. 
It's like a little mouth guard. It's flexible and it's got all these little prongs on there and you chew it. So the idea is you put it in your mouth, lips together, nasal breathing, and you chew. And these little prongs, they massage along the gums and the teeth. They create a lot of fantastic um, neurosensory awareness. But you also produce a lot of saliva when you chew a munchie. Okay. And that means you've got to then practice that swallow we were talking about. Ah. So this is a great way to practice the swallow. When you can swallow with a munchie in your mouth, you're retraining the back part of the tongue and the pharyngeal walls. So that's pretty mm. cool because, yeah. Um, yeah, so you get the salivary production and then you've got to then work to go, okay, I've got to swallow back here. And so the kids... Um, it's a great way of doing that because to try and teach a child to swallow using the back of the tongue of the pharyngeal walls is a complex task. So this is sure. perfect two to four-year-olds. You can use this with little kids. And we've even got a baby one. I haven't got this with me this morning, but slightly smaller one that we bring in with the babies at around four, five, six months of age up to about 18 months of age. And it's fantastic because they're oral in their engagement at that age. They put everything in their mouth and they love sure. it. They put it in and they... Oh, that feels really great. It's great for teething. It's fantastic stimulation, mm. great dummy replacement or pacifier replacement for parents. Something to give your child when you're out and about in the pram, in the car, when they get to that six-month point, they love it. They're much more interesting for them to have something that's stimulating the right oral function rather than continuing to give them a pacifier and use the pacifier when they need pacifying. Don't okay. give it to them when they're happy. Keep it for if they're really worked up or sad or going to sleep and you just put it in, use it as a tool. It's a tool. Right. And get out. But this is another tool that you can give them during the day that they will enjoy engaging with and it has positive impacts. How often so, can they use it? Well, with a baby, they can use it anytime, just in and out. It's because it's sensory. We're trying to get that sensory okay. awareness and mapping. For right. an old child, we want to activate the chewing responses. So we really want them to chew it for about three to five minutes. Okay. Ideally, really working with getting good chewing and that'll get the lip competence, the chewing activation, stability for the jaw stability, and then it also encourages that tongue function and the nasal breathing. So it's it's a great little tool. So um, And it also tells us stuff. If a child won't engage with a munchie, is there a behavioural thing? Is there some reason why they won't? Can they not breathe when they put it in? It starts to tell us things. Right. If you can't get a child to engage with it, that, yeah, we can There's use it as a dog. There's something going on. There's yeah. something going on because, and definitely with babies, because babies will happily engage with it all the time. But if they never get to the point where they put it all in, that's telling us they're not comfortable breathing through their nose because it can be a great tool to help them retrain around breathing through their nose if you're finding them resting with their mouth open. Mm -hmm. Just this is a great mm -hmm. way to get some engagement. But if you're going along and you're going, okay, this baby's not comfortable with it in there, they always pull it out. They always pull it out. Okay, let's investigate what else is going on there. So it's a great little tool that can help us decide who needs to get further investigation, who's a good one for us to work with, and other and some the other times that'll tell us things too is around behavioural stuff, whether we're going to need a therapist to work with them if the pet because. Ideally, you want a parent to be the one working with this and just when they're reading books or in the bath mm. and car, there's okay. different times of the day. But if the child won't engage, then sometimes they need to work with someone who's really specialised in that. And that can be your OTs and your um, speeches and things who really have got 
great skill sets around getting that level of engagement because it's really important. It's not negotiable. If it, you get in that airway, um, getting the intranasal breathing working and working out what is interfering um, early on is really important. So I need to give you a little bit of a history about my dad and how he Yes, <laughs> please do. So he died in 2016 and that's when I took this on, but it's been around for a very long time. Um, 1966 was the very first patent for the Maya Munchie. So it's been around a really long time. And his original premise, he was a dentist and he originally developed it to, um, and why it has the little prongs on it, because he developed for periodontal condition for adults. So he originally developed it to help with periodontal condition mm-hmm. for the teeth and gums. And so we know it's great for adults as well. You and I are talking children, but it's a fantastic tool for adults for maintaining and keeping good oral function and teeth, all that stuff. Um, And then over the years, he got really interested in early developmental work and he developed a children's one in conjunction with the Saka Dental University over in Japan in the 1970s. And they developed a children's one and they did did, uh, research at a Saka Dental University and they found that chewing a Maya Munchie for 20 minutes, this was for children three to six years of age, they found that, so this was two lots of 20, 10 minutes a day, I think, and they found that every child who chewed it improved their orbicularis oris strength of the lips. Mm-hmm. And what they started to see was, and this is where my dad got really interested, that the bites start to change. So mm. cross bites and open bites will correct quite well by chewing. If we can get the right chewing forces in there, we can get really much better jaw stability and really help get the growth back on track. Because if you've got a cross bite or an open bite in there early on, that's the way the bony architecture is going to grow around that occlusion. So it's a really fantastic tool for, for early intervention when people in the dental space are seeing those dental malocclusions. And so, yeah, he got really interested in early interceptive orthodontics and that's what he spent a lot of his career doing. And he did put this out into the world years ago, back in the 1980s. He um, And people who've been around a long time knew about it back then. And he went into partnership with a guy called Chris Farrell, who I don't know if you know who Chris is, but he developed Myobrace. So my father and Chris Farrell formed a company back in the 19, late 1980s and that didn't last long, but Maya Munchie was the very first MRC product that you know that, that my brace has now come out of. So there's a combined history there back in Australia. They're both Australian products. And this was the original version of, and a lot of dad's work was involved in the development. That was pretty cool. Um, and so then I picked it up in 2016. And because of my chiropractic background and understanding, I was really keen to look at the myofunctional, I knew about, I started to learn about myofunctional therapy and I thought, ah, they're the people who will be interested in the myomantry. So mm-hmm. that's when I went and did, well, I did, I'd done some training in that a little bit before Dad died, but I could see that that was the way forward. So I started going to America a bit and meeting with some of these people and people were super keen. So that has been great. Because yeah. it had been a few people knew about it um, early on, like people like Kim Benkert, who's been around a long time. She was mm-hmm. a, one of the early um Munchie advocates and Joy Mole. They knew a lot about it. And um yeah, it's gone from there. And it's and it's I I, I've done so much research on it. I absolutely love it. And I know we're talking 
you know, babies, teeny tinies here, you know, you know, zero to three mostly, but it can be used on older children, teenagers, and adults as well. I mean, it's not too late at no, this point, right? Definitely not. No, it's a, it's just setting your expectations around what you'll achieve. That's okay. what's um, changes. If we get in really early, we can actually change the way the growth is occurring. Later on, it's a great tool to work for the benefits of nasal breathing, correct swallow, temporomandibular joint issues. It's fantastic for that. Mm. Keeping the teeth and the gums healthy and strong, because that's something I really see now as I'm getting to those older years in my life. Um, a lot of people cracking teeth and root canals and all yeah. sorts of massive teeth issues, super expensive. Um, it's keeping the... Um, the jaw stability there, once again, chewing is a foundational movement to keep our airway functioning. This is what we need to realise as well. It's not just children. This is really important for our pharyngeal wall activation, keep mm -hmm. our own spine mechanism working. We we sponsored research in um, with the speech pathology department here in Newcastle in looking at aged care because very strong correlation with when you stop being able to um, eat foods, they put you on purees when you start to choke. Right. That's the same mechanism and oh. strongly correlates with death. You don't stick around long once you can't swallow very well. Sure. And so we we're really interested in looking at this tool as a really useful tool to keep that faculty of swallow mm -hmm. dysphagia. So um, working with dysphagia patients. So it's got so much application across so many different um, avenues. Oh, that's Just, Yeah. Yeah, chewing and, and do the 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 little I don't I don't know what to call them. They're the little prongy things inside. Little prongs. Does it does it have some sort of benefit? I mean, obviously, it makes sense for the littles, especially before teething and all of that. What does it do for teenagers and early twenties and adults? Is it still does it still have that yeah. brain impact, or is there any? Well, other it's interesting. There? Um, chewing is a it's a it's a it's neurocarmative. The action of chewing is neurocarmative. And the OTs, the occupational therapists who work with munchies, they call it heavy work, you know, heavy work, sensory, a lot of sensory sort of stuff. There was someone, and I must track her down, have more of a chat to her about it, but she did some work with some self-harming teenagers and she gave them a munchie and they stopped their need to do that. Oh, you're kidding just interesting oh wow chewing is one of these movements that it helps mm -hmm. uh, process the world and i just think we we yeah we need to get chewing back on the table because it's 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 not just about getting the food in it's and the nutrition that's the other really interesting thing too because you know the smoothies all the good things you can get it pack into a smoothie which is great sure but you're missing but you're the not chewing, chewing. Yeah. yeah it's not only the the delivery of the food it's the the chewing and and chewing does all these profound things like there was an amazing paper written by Leecher Pasquet was published in 2016-17 I think and Leecher is a myofunctional she's a speech pathologist and a dental hygienist and myofunctional therapist so she's very knowledgeable in this space but she looked at all the research around the benefits of chewing and it's just phenomenal that when you chew you activate the enzymes for digestion you think about all the chronic um, digestive issues we've got lack of chewing has to be involved in that chewing is involved with um, memory retention for hippocampal function for 
neurocarmative sensory stuff, for jaw stability, for swallowing, for airway. It, it is such a foundational, phenomenally important movement. So, yeah, that's why I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> wow. Well, it's, all right. And, and, and this, I may be completely off the mark, but listening to you talk, I'm wondering, is that why, for some of us, I'm not going to name names, but when we were in college or high school, chewing gum helped us concentrate when we were in college. Yeah, there's, so we there's, were paper, there's papers on chewing gum. Yes, there are papers that exist around the benefits of chewing gum for wow. alert. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots and lots of benefits to chewing. So it's, wow. um, yes, we need to get it back into action for so many reasons because it's right. another obesity. Obesity is another part of that whole thing where we're not getting enough activation into the chewing and, yeah, the, the set for the senses in the brain to know how much we're, like it's just when the physiology works, it's profoundly clever. Like I'm just blown mm. away all the all the things I learned along the way about all the different things and I think, oh, wow, what else are we missing? <laughs> because right. we always lost chewing. And I will tell you, every time I do a podcast, I learn something else. And this is going to be one of those where I walk away just kind of overwhelmed because I, you know, I, I finally understand the concept around tongue placement and why that is so important. Yeah. And especially around depression and, and you're, if you're in constant fight or flight and, and why, you know, little kids that put their th- fingers in their mouth and they're okay. Oh. I got that connection now, but I, I never would have put two and two together on chewing just how impactful it is. I knew about jaw yeah. development, but you know, that was, that was really about it. Yeah. 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 And those two together, the, the, if your if your jaw stability, if you're basically, if your nasal breathing and your, your swallowing aren't working well, mm-hmm. your two hemispheres can't like every time you swallow, the tongue should go to the palate and the two hemispheres reset and your pituitary stimulation, all the feel good stuff that, and if that's not working and your and your mouth breathing, so nasal breathing, those two things, it, I just think that's a, such a big deal for people who are going through life with an yeah. incorrect pattern of mouth breathing. You're so far behind the eight ball or so as, as far as your self-regulate, your ability to easily self-regulate goes. And I think about those kids and I think we've got to work oh. with them. We've got to give them back those two things because that's, they need that to go through life. This is a complex world we're living in and we need mm-hmm. to have a few things on our side. Yeah. Right, right. Absolutely agree. So and chewing and jaw stability enables both those things. That's kind of how that fits in. Yeah. And at, so at the end of every podcast, I always hand it back, the final thought to no the guests because, yeah, because you're the experts and you're the ones that know this best. So. Um, what would your final thought be for our parents that are listening? Small things make a massive difference early on. So don't feel overwhelmed. If you go, oh, my child's got these issues, you can shift that trajectory very early on. Definitely worthwhile doing. The more we do in the first three years of life to help establish them well in the way they're brain functions and how they are in the world, immune system, nasal breathing, correct swallow, sleep, those foundational pieces sets that little human up for life. They will they will reap the rewards so much down the track. So it's really about 
understanding and sort of, and if, and if you're thinking, oh, I think there might be something here with my child, talk to someone. Don't just go, they'll grow out of it because they won't. They'll grow no. into it. They'll grow into it and we don't want them to. We want them to have the best opportunity for for their optimal genetic expression. So that's what I would say. Little And little things make a massive difference. Yeah, I'm not sure on. which one I want to put on a shirt. Little things make a massive difference or they won't grow out of it. They'll grow into it. It's so I true. Don't let someone that. say that. Oh, that's normal. Mouth breathing is never normal. No. Let's get to the root of why it's there. Let's find out what's going on. And malocclusion, the same thing. If you're spotting your teeth's kids, your kids' teeth aren't, if you if you can see there's what we call a malocclusion there, find someone who will tell you what's going on. Because that's telling you something straight up. Right. Something's, telling there. You something's happening. Yeah, something's mm -hmm. happening. Really early, the primary dentition, man, we can change things really well hmm. yeah don't wait until it gets locked into the secondary dentition and then you've got to you've got to work with the teeth let's work with the environment that the teeth are landing in so that they land in a, a better in the right arrangement. in the right position yeah and relationship to each other yeah that was perfect well thank you so much for being on and and all of this i mean we you packed quite a bit in in a short time so thank you so much <laughs> really enjoyed catching up with you rebecca thanks for reaching thank out you. Thanks again to today's guest, Mary Burke, for sharing her medical insight and to each of you for listening to today's episode. If you're new to our podcast, please don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review or comment telling us about what you enjoyed most. You can stay connected with the Children's Airway First Foundation by following us on Instagram, Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Parents can also join us via our Facebook parent support group, The Airway Huddle, at facebook.com backslash groups backslash airway huddle. You can also find tons of great content for parents and medical professionals alike via the Parents Portal and Clinicians Corners of our website. If you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for an upcoming episode, shoot us a note via the contacts page on our website or send us an email directly at info at org. And finally, thanks to all the parents and medical professionals out there that are working to help make the lives of kids around the globe just a little bit better. Take care, stay safe, and happy breathing, everyone. <laughs>